0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on black and white and red all over. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number 44. And hey, guys, it just so happens that the guy who wears number 44 scored a goal this past weekend. So, all right. Yay! <laughs> he exists. <laughs> he exists. <laughs> on that note, let me bring in the crew here of Samuel Presti. Hello, Sam. Happiness, Danny! Happiness! <laughs> we got the real estate mogul, Chucks. Hello, Chucks.
1: Yeah, wheeling and dealing. Wheeling and dealing. <laughs> yeah, the number 44 he exists, so uh, yeah, good on him. Good on him, and I'm sure we'll talk about
2: him today. So We,
0: we yeah. shall. We've got Sergio Romero. Hello, Sergio.
2: Hey, fellas. Happy to be here. It, it, it feels good. This feels like a good point to end the, the number gimmick. Up until we get to, like, 77. Like, something that's very obvious, but, like, this felt... Very organic, but very good. Yes, yes, indeed. And as
0: you can tell, we are in a much better mood than the last few weeks. And that is because Juventus actually won both of their games between our last podcast recording and this podcast recording. So I will turn it first to the man who was rather skeptical on last week's episode, Mr. Chalks. Uh, how are you feeling after Juventus got two pretty important wins, knowing what the uh, current Serie A table situation is looking like.
1: I mean, happy but still skeptical.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you mean two wins, especially one against Genoa, doesn't completely turn you into a believer once again?
1: The, well, <laughs> uh, it it ain't that easy. As uh, I'm sure a musician, I don't know which musician said that, but I'm sure a musician, a musician yes, said
3: that. I once. believe that, that was easy. Ringo Starr, isn't that what he what was is? It? Probably yeah, he you know, it no, no, it was, no, no. It's Joe Cocker. Ringo Starr just uh, just covered it. There we go. Yeah, that, Ringo Cocker, definitely covered it though.
0: Joe Cocker qualifies as a musician, so yeah, yeah.
1: As a famous person, more lustrous than myself, <laughs> but um, yeah, um, I mean, of course, I'm happy uh, with the two wins. Uh, Napoli win, obviously, it was huge, huge victory, and yeah, the manner of the performance, uh, the manner of the victory, rather, was just really good. Um, just starting out with the Napoli game, and then we'll move on to the Genoa game. But yeah, some consistency with which has been, you know, long desired and long sought after this basically entire season <laughs> um, to uh, search for more than what three I think the longest streak we've had is some like three games in a row maybe four I don't remember but yeah some long desired consistency uh, pretty good performances overall really wish we would have gotten a clean sheet especially in the Genoa game uh, really kind of wish about that I think we haven't had a clean sheet in uh, some like five six games so that's a uh, little worrying but, um, yeah, I mean, good, good performances. Good to see some of the, well, fringe-ish players uh, step up, uh, especially Kulusevsky. You know, I've uh, been pretty critical about him. I think justified, but, you know, uh, pretty critical of him the last few weeks. And, I mean, you know, and with Hunter's great piece that came out, uh, I think a little under a week ago, um, about just who should stay and who should go. Uh, obviously, I think Kulusevsky should still, you know, get a chance but you know it's just good to see him uh, realize a bit of urgency in the need to step up his performances and you know speaking of uh, people under pressure um, of course Andrea Pirlo has been heavily under pressure and yeah, as we noted against Genoa he switched things up a little bit with a, with a sort of a three four three-ish formation yeah I mean Sam talked about in his uh, post-match recap yesterday or today rather today And yeah, I mean, good to see him dare to switch things up a bit to show that he's not married to one formation so much so, you know, that he's generally putting the players first over his own system. So um, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm optimistic, but obviously the big uh, test again is uh, this weekend against Atalanta. But I think, I mean, I'm optimistic about that game just because of um, the victory against Napoli, which, you know, I mean, Napoli were in pretty good form. I mean, still are in very good form. You know, stabilized their own performances after a pretty shaky middle of the season that they had with even almost Gattuso being um, threatened with uh, getting fired, which I just can't imagine that. But I mean, you never know with De De Laurentiis. You never know what he's thinking. But um, I mean, especially looking at it now, you just can't imagine firing him. Uh, He's done such a great job at Napoli. But yeah, I mean, cautiously optimistic as always, but just good to see bit of a stabilization in performances, a slightly different formation, but, you know, still turned out well. And uh, some returns from injuries, you know, Dybala, McKinney, Artur, um, all back from well, injury slash um, shenanigans. <laughs> um, and yeah, just, you know, a good roster to choose from. Even Ramsey is fit. I mean, I mean, even Ramsey is fit. <laughs>
0: so, you know, um, Don't push your luck, buddy.
1: Yeah, I really, I mean, as I say that, I'm like, <laughs> wait, maybe I shouldn't say that. So, um, yeah, I mean, things are looking okay. Relatively speaking, things are looking good. I mean, obviously we're well off the tar- target for the Scudetto. and I mean, obviously given up already, but, you know, top four, you know, still a very tough battle, but at least, you know, we're doing, we're doing our and holding our end of the bargain so far. So, uh, you know, let's hope that continues.
3: Yeah. I think that, Obviously the Napoli game was was the was just a, a crunch moment where you know if they had lost that game, that could have been tailspin, that could have been it. But really good performances, really good starts, which is something that they have not done all the time. And and like you said, Chucks, and I was really intrigued on Sunday by that this you know, the the the, the hybridization and the, the the morphing is always there with, has always been there with Pirlo, whether it be that like three four one two at the very beginning with Ramsey in the hole, and then that kind of more, changed to a three five two, This 3-4-3 three, three look that it had, and it definitely was a 3-4-3 three, three attack, because Kulusevsky was just too far up the field to be able to say that he was a wide 4-4-2 four, four, mid. That is a really that was a really interesting wrinkle. It gave Kulusevsky the chance to be himself a little more instead of being, you know, a, a midfielder or a wing back that that needed to worry as much or more about, you know, other phases of the game. He didn't have to worry about back passes to the keeper as much anymore, and uh, and you know, all of a sudden he plays his best game in months and months and months. And hits one of those goals that you know makes you realize why they bought him in the first place. That was a gorgeous hit, I think. And and Sergio, you touched this on this in your grab bag. All three of the Juventus goal scorers yesterday were were guys that really needed it. You know, Morata's been out of form ever since he that that illness that he had with the megalovirus, and he's he just needed these a goal because he's been. You know he'd been put in good positions and just didn't look like he had the conviction. mcKenney after you know such a long time with that, with whatever hip injury he'd been dealing with, and you know just how how is, how that had just caused a crater in form for him to be able to make to get that goal. Which I th- also thought that was really amusing to, to you know watch. He he got the pass from Danilo and he turned around and looked behind to the ref because he was expecting the the the, the whistle to go. And and Kulusevsky, who has just, you know, been been such a terrible year for him in terms of just being played out of position, not being able to do not being able to do how Kulusevsky do. And that is one of the things that I think yesterday was really was really interesting about that little tactical wrinkle was that all of a sudden he got to be himself and he could interchange with Quadrado as the wing back and make some really fun plays out there and Chiesa is still a rocket on the left as the left wing back, regardless. And it, it, it just, it seemed like it made the team better and it helped and, and everything, everything started looking better. The movement off the ball started looking better. The passes have started getting a little faster and maybe you can also chalk that up to more time in between games to train since the champions league elimination but it, it looks like a team that's starting to get it. Obviously you have to be cautious about that because we've said that about this team before this year, but there are more, I, th- I think there are a few more reasons to be optimistic than a lot of these other false starts that we've had. Obviously going into Bergamo to play Atalanta is going to be fun because we, mm-hmm. you know, I think last year was the first, uh, last year was the first time we've won in that stadium in what, four years, and also, just having been checking, that Atalanta's lost only three games since the beginning of February. Those three games were both of their legs against Real Madrid and a one-nil against against Inter. So you know, it's not like they've been off lately. But Juve have always come to play in these big games. You know, we, I've talked before about how they really play down to their opposition, and I said this in my recap for the Napoli match the converse has also been true they've stepped up in the bigger games the the Serie A game against inter being the obvious exception you know the the milan game comes to mind the Supercopa, this past game against napoli and they also play better against teams that like to play as opposed to teams that will park the bus and atalanta certainly is going to be playing so there's it's the, i i think next sunday is just is pretty much a toss up win that game and I am much more confident in a top four finish than I would be otherwise, but I'd like to get out of there with at least a point, but overall good signs. Now you got to buckle down and keep it going.
2: Yeah. I I think it's mostly, you know, I think that game's going to be key. I mean, because right now you have the top four, you know, outside of venture the top four that they're all super close together. So one win really like it really, really can set you apart. Even like if Juventus were to win, like they can, they could potentially even leapfrog Milan and put Atalanta like you know four points behind. So I mean, th- this is going to be definitely a a key key game because that uh, they're also so, so tied, which is interesting because the, the actual league title is you know pretty much a you know foregone conclusion, but everything else outside of that, it's very much in the air. So it was it was nice to see the, the the team perform when they needed it to get this back to back wins. And, and, you know, I, I don't think none of you mentioned it, but it was fun. They were fun. They were, they were, it was good watching. It was just like a good TV watching experience, which we hadn't really had in the, in the, you know, previous games, you know, forgetting the result, you know, putting the result aside, it was just kind of like a miserable, grumpy, boring side to look at. Like it just, it was Boring. It was just ghastly football watching. And this was a a lot more entertaining. Like it was a lot more just they seemed like they actually cared, which I know it's like a, you know, it's like a hot talk, hot take type of thing to say that they actually cared this time. Like I know they care most of the time, but they, they just seem to have extra energy. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the schedule finally eased up a little bit on them that a bunch of guys are finally healthy again and that they are actually getting a lot of training midweek, week, which I, you know, I, obviously early in the season, they weren't having a lot. Obviously I think this is, you know, maybe a bit of a stretch, but I do think that the, the longer periods of, of rest, the longer periods of actually midweek training of actually kind of like, you know, just, just taking one game at a time has done just wonders for this team and the way they play and the way they actually understand the the setup and and actually understand what they're trying to do so I've just been really really impressed especially with you know I am going to say with Andrea Pirlo who apparently according to sources was in the hot seat if if they lost that Napoli game which I thought was dumb I mean just if you're gonna fire a guy fire a guy because of his body of work not because of one game but but whatever the the point is that you know they did, Pirlo did come back with something more traditional, something that could at some at times, like you guys said, look like a 4-4-2. He's still Pirlo. He still does what he likes. He still has that philosophy of, you know, uh, of roles, not positions, and, you know, fluid football and whatnot. So you still had things, like you mentioned, like Kulusevsky going up top and all of that. But it was a, a, something much more between pragmatic and practical and like what he actually wants to do. And I just thought it it worked wonders. Obviously, it's against Genoa. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna crown them just yet, but it, it did, it was a lot similar to what I'd hope to see from this team. Something that's solid at the back, something that makes you know sense from a traditional point of view, but with that kind of like extra extra pissas, if if you want to put it that way, you know, with Quadrado going up top with Kulusevsky going up top, it was just you know, it was kind of like a mix of the two ideas that Pirlo wants to do, and and it really was one of the more, you know, one of the better stretches we've seen from this team, not only in 2021, but I, I would say in the in the whole year as a whole, as, as a season. Yeah,
3: and it's interesting that you, you know, when you point out the the way the formations acted, because in not against the Napoli game, against the Napoli game, in the Napoli game, there wasn't much in the way of that morphing. That that was a 4-4-2 and it played pretty much straight 4-4-2. And it made me think maybe he's just gonna go with that the entire year, the, the entire rest of the year, just for lack of a better, you know, keep it simple, stupid. Or as like you said in, in the grab bag, Sergio, when in doubt, 442, right? But then he pulled out another little, you know, another little wrinkle to it the next game. So and and one that seems to work. It, it's it it's that kind of flexibility which we've seen from him already you know those you know like the games against Lazio and against uh Roma where he just kind of decided to sit back and counter you know is is he showing his inexperience from time to time yes he certainly is but he does not this is not a Jon Snow situation he knows a couple of things and I think we're seeing and we're and we're seeing it I think
1: I'm probably the only person in the world that hasn't watched Game of Thrones, so uh, I don't get any Game of Thrones
3: references.
0: (laughs) You are the second one, because I am the first one.
1: Oh, oh, really? Oh, man. I'm I'm pleasantly surprised. I've watched the more than I've watched the shows, but...
2: congrats to me for being the only normal one i guess
3: Um, (laughs) oh man oh man well
1: things you learn (laughs) i watched until they got to to the books
3: and then i was like i'm not going to watch anymore until the next book comes out and of course that was a great decision if he dies before the next one comes out i'll finish the series that's how i've decided that's what i've decided
2: (laughs) congrats me for being dab smack in the middle of, of mainstream
3: basic basicness somewhere. I was gonna say this <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> uh,
1: but um, uh, before we uh, move on to the next topic actually um, yeah I mean there was one thing I, I did want to add I mean obviously I'm very you know I'm glad with the performances and to see kind of a, just a general uptick in form that said I mean this is obviously still a far cry from Juventus at its best or you know at at the height of the Allegri era, which obviously, I mean, that might be un- unfair to say, but, you know, I, I, I kind of feel the need to temper things always, as always, because, you know, that's, that's me, the and skeptic uh, here, just to keep us all honest. But yeah, I mean, of course, that is still the case, but nevertheless, you know, I still, outside of just needing to qualify for Champions League, so top four, obviously that's, you know, huge, huge, huge priority. Outside of that, the perspective i take just for the remaining uh let's see nine well eight plus the final Uh, yeah 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 yeah, plus the final then so yeah eight league games and and one final remaining for the season the perspective i take is kind of like okay what does this mean for next season so you know i look at performances uh, all the performances just from now on and like i think okay could this could this player still contribute next season or is he just kind of you know on his last legs kind of thing. And and that's why I liked Hunter's piece so much um, on, on his kind of, you know, Juventus rebuild looking to next season, which I thought, I mean, I thought was spot on. I basically agreed with 90% of what he said. But, you know, I I, I mean, stating the obvious, you know, Chiesa obviously is just, continues to be just phen- phenomenal. Although I think, you know, it's probably reaching a point where we do need to give the guy a rest. I mean, he has been playing, uh I mean, almost... Can't remember the last time that he set a game out, honestly. Yeah, really struggle to remember. So, you know, he does probably need a rest. But um, yeah, and as you mentioned, Danny, uh, that Chiellini has played three games, three consecutive games, and he's still in one piece. So fingers crossed, <laughs> fingers crossed on that one. And uh, although I think Bonucci's the good still... News
3: is, the good news is Bonucci just cleared COVID protocol. So oh, really? we've got somebody
1: else back. <laughs> Oh, it's funny. I was actually, yeah, I was just going to say, because I think I hadn't read anything about that. So, well, at least that's good. So uh, yeah, I mean, at least things are looking good for a an end of the season on a high note. I think that's really that to me, that's just pretty important in, in light of, you know, the rebuild for this summer uh, because I mean, kind of as a, as a side note, but uh, you look at a team like Barcelona and I mean, of course, they just lost the Cl- Clasico, but you know, they were in absolute shambles <laughs> at the beginning of the season as well. And they've ended, are ending the season on a very high note. You know, I mean, no one could have imagined that they would be in a title race. So um, I'm looking for that kind of momentum to end the season with uh, as well for events. All
0: right, Chuck, so you mentioned Chiesa and we've kind of spotlighted players here and there throughout the season when they're on a run of, really good run of form. You know, we've done it with Murata, we've done it with McKinney. And now we're going to do it with Chiesa. And I think the impressive thing to me, and you touched on it just a second ago, Chucks, is just how well he's played despite the fact he's playing so much. And I'm looking at his game log right now, and, I mean, it feels like it's a mile long with how many matches he's played between club and country this year. And you look at it, and obviously these aren't all starts, but in the season between – Juventus and the Italian national team, according to who scored, he's played 47 games or he's played in 47 games for over 3000 minutes. And obviously that's a little bit more because sometimes who scored doesn't always keep stats. So Federico Chiesa with the run he's on right now. I mean, we've been saying it the last few weeks that he's really showing to be a player that is a building block for the future. But I mean, it seems like he's only getting better when you would think with the amount of workload, he might slow down. So, I mean, I think his run on what proved to be uh, Alvaro Morata's goal to make it 2 nothing in the first half really kind of showed how well he's playing because he has not only the confidence to do what he did on the counterattack, but also the physical ability and gasoline the tank to do what he did. And, I mean, that run was kind of the ultimate Chiesa put-your-head-down run 50 yards at full speed and then make good things happen. And I, I mean there were a few moments where it was I mentioned it kind of like the Fiorentina Fetty where he put his head down, made a bad mistake, and you're sitting there shaking your head. But for the most part, this version
3: of Chiesa is really freaking good. Yeah, cream cream rises to the top, I guess. Cause he's just and like you said, you know, the, the workload he's been on has been insane. You know, it was it was nice of Roberto Mancini in the last international break to to at least leave him out of one game, but yeah, it, it it really is remarkable the engine that he has and the and the fact that it can drive him to just like the way he just has just outrun dudes, like he does. Like it, it's not like a a case of him like dribbling drib. There I go again, dribbling past people, like the way you know, the way Juan did with Ravella in the, for the first goal, he just freaking blows by him. I mean, he also did steal El said his size lunch money with a similar move against uh against Napoli, which that was just like, man, if, if I'm a, if I was a fullback on a play like that, I would have just been ruined for the rest of the season. I would have just like had no confidence in myself ever again. But you know just the the engine the pace the technique that that he puts on when he wants to and he is you know his his finishing is getting better is he's still blazing you know he's still blazing away sometimes but it you know that was his huge his biggest weakness coming into the season was his finishing and it's not you know is he a ronaldo level finisher right now no he's not is he much better. I think than he, this season, than he was at Fiorentina and even a, a a lot better than he was at the beginning of the season. I also think, yes. And the other, the other really interesting thing I think is that I think we can kind of take away the, but well, but he's better on the right qualifier to him now, because he's really gotten to that. When he's on that left-hand side now, the, there isn't as much of a difference anymore. He's, he's, he's it, it, it's one of i think the the best things about him is just that adaptability to, to that he takes these predict these talents that are prodigious and he has taken them wherever Pirlo has needed them to be this year and i just think that's that's the epitome of a of a guy that that you want to build this team around just you know when everybody's vaccinated go back home Get in the get in the yard with dad, and he'll teach you a couple of uh, of moves to finish because that's you know that that's the one thing that he needs.
2: Argu- arguably, a really good save by by Mattia Perin as well, I think, and that
3: in also that true. chance, yeah,
2: I, th- I think he he, you know. Still, still, you but still, you be keeper. Let, let's remind, let's remind ourselves of that. Still, you be player. That, that's two uh, weeks in a row, Sergio. That you. That, that's two that. weeks in a row. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to do the. There are the... so
3: many. There were so many there that if I, had I not been dog tired by the end of writing my recap last night, I probably would have included a special low knee section in the, uh in the in the player ratings just because there were at least four of them, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I no Storaro. So no, st- yeah, no Stu.
2: Genoa Juve B essentially. But you know, the, the, the thing is, yeah, I, I I'd agree. I think it's fantastic because you know, Kiesa, we all knew you know, we knew he was very good on, on the right, and I would argue he's still, you know, his best, I, I would say his best work is still on the right, but the fact that his level doesn't you know drop down as significantly as it was earlier on the season, because Earlier on the season, I think it, it definitely was noticeable. His play was much, much better on the right wing than on the left wing. However, because, because he has been able to adapt to that left wing and, you know, maybe not be quite as good as he is on the right, but still pretty damn good, like, like Sam said, like that opens so many more possibilities for for Andrea Pirlo because it allows him to, to kind of unlock that, you know, Kulusevsky-Cuadrado pairing on the right that, that kind of, you know, shoot up in the field and, and especially Cuadrado to have Cuadrado be able to do his runs and be able to be that, that creative force that he can be on the right. I think that's massive. I, I think just, you know, his importance doesn't lie only on the fact that he's, you know, he's good, that he's a really, really good player. And, and he provides a lot, you know, both defending and both getting the ball back and, and in the attacking phase, like he's just a very complete player, but, you know, tactically he just allows Andrea Pirlo so many more options especially because he feels to the T that left wing side and it just gives it makes the team a whole lot more uh, balanced a whole more stable and a whole more dangerous so yeah Calmin is one of the people who you know at at when we when the signing was first announced I was skeptical I thought that it was you know uh, it, it was a good signing but I thought the money was kind of like high and that You know, another white player, like we already have a bunch of those, like do we really need another one. But, you know, I think he was definitely, you know, I think he's definitely proven a lot, a lot of people wrong. I think he's being worth, you know, pretty much, pretty much every penny.
1: I mean, I'll I'll, I'll admit you, you said you were skeptical. I'll admit. When we signed Chiesa, I couldn't care less, honestly. At the time that we signed him, (laughs) I was like, Whatever, yeah, moving on, you know.
3: (laughs) But you did not believe in the wings of Fede, (laughs) you did did not. not.
1: (laughs) I did not. I I believed Bernadeschi had enough wings of his own to fly solo. Boom, man, that was a good metaphor. Um, but uh. sorry i shouldn't laugh at my own jokes <laughs> um that's,
0: that's all right you're, get, you're getting the delayed reaction from me buddy
1: <laughs> i know it's bad podcast etiquette i shouldn't do that <laughs> no um yeah you guys have really mentioned everything about kia the, the only thing I'll, I'll add is that i remember we spoke about ben Tankour sort of in this light at the start of the season uh, in the sense that you know ben Tankour, he started the season pretty poorly. I mean, has just had a tough season, but um, I remember one of the things we were saying was like, okay, he's, he, he's played a lot of games. He had a long season last season and then, you know, played a lot for Uruguay as well. And just, you know, just in general, barely had any rest. And I kind of worry about that same issue coming up with Chiesa. Him, I mean, the Euros are coming up, of course. So, you know, he'll play essentially an entire season this season. And then the Euros you know, moving straight through, and then uh, well, I guess short off season, and then uh, moving on to uh, yeah, until next season, and then of course he'll have World Cup towards the end of the next calendar year, I believe. So I mean, basically from you know from the start of this season all the way through till like 2022, basically he's gonna have very little rest. Um, and yeah, I mean he's 23, so you wanna you want to be careful with just kind of how you manage players at that age in terms of, you know, workload and just, yeah, injuries and physical demands uh, and mental demands, really, of just, you know, making a step up from Fiorentina to Juventus. I mean, that's no, you know, no small feat at all, uh, which he's obviously done excellently so far. But I think it's just, yeah, being careful with just the long term management or, well, the management of Chiesa's minutes in the next, I think, year and a half in view of just his long-term well-being really. And subsequently his well-being or his contribution for Juventus and the Italian national team.
3: I think that there's an interesting, you said, not. I agree with you about the physical aspects. You also said, talked about the mental aspects and that is, that's something that you, you, you do have to keep an eye on because you know, this, the, the recent history of the club has is, somewhat littered with guys that had a lot of expectations on them very, very quickly that ended up not fulfilling them. And it ended up being a bit of a disaster. I look at specifically Sebastian Jovinko, who was very unfairly put into the position of next Del Piero as he came up from the Academy and he was never going to live up to that. No one's going to live up to that. And that was a, you know, that was a big problem because as he as he failed to live up to expectations like that, he, you know, you could tell him suffering, you could see him suffering mentally there. You know, Ben Nadeski also, you know, to a to a degree, but you know, as big as he is going to be for the future of this club, bring that along slow. You I, you do have to bring that along slowly in terms of of what the expectations are. You know, if paulo Dybala were to leave the club in the summer which i hope doesn't happen but you know if paulo Dybala were to leave the club in the summer don't be throwing the 10 on him right away because i know that because you know i you know you know that's gonna be the temptation you know that adidas is gonna be pushing to to for that but you know, one of the reasons that Paolo Dybala had a lot of success in his early years with the club was because he wasn't wearing the te- the ten that uh, that early. He took his. T- they took their time with that. They took their time with with the expectations of him. Also, he had guys like Paul Pogba to kind of be the face of the team as well. But don't overload the expectations for Chiesa all at once over the summer. Because, as, as good a head, I think he has on his shoulders. I, I, that, that, that's a lot to ask.
0: I think the mental aspect as well also comes from the fact that he's not expected to be the dude like he was for Fiorentina. And I'm sure if we had Tito on here we, from Viola Nation, he could speak to it as well, where he was looked at as Fiorentina's number one option here he's obviously not the number one option. It's the guy wearing number seven. And even if you throw in Paulo Dybala as well, I mean, we saw, you know, we we've seen how Chiesa has kind of blossomed these last few months. And it, it comes at a point where, you know, obviously Ronaldo's still banging in goals outside of, you know, his, his performance this weekend for the, for, for the most part. And, Chiesa can really just kind of do his own thing where he's just kind of playing. He's not, he doesn't have so much on his shoulders in terms of he has to be the creative outlet. He has to do this. He has to do that. You know, he he's not the center of everybody's focus. Ronaldo going to be the center of everybody's focus, no matter who Juventus is playing. And some of that attention off Chiesa can you, you know, there's not just not as much pressure. So he's, he's, I feel like he's kind of, and somebody mentioned it in the comments a few days ago, I believe. He's, he's kind of able just to go out and play rather than being looked at as, you know, your performance is directly, is usually directly attributed to how the team will do. And obviously, he is very important, but he's not, you know, on paper, at least, he's not solely responsible for Juventus winning and losing as compared to, say, Ronaldo or, or other players.
1: Yeah, true. I, I agree with that. But then then again, there is the, the the aspect of him being Italian and then just that pressure of being a young Italian, uh, especially just, you know, with issue, the issues that Italy has had with young players, rather the lack of success that it has had with correctly taking care of young players. Um, so I, I think mean, the, he, yeah, he's, he's, say. A... he's, he's also
0: he's You had... don't say, Chucks. <laughs> well, I mean, he's also been hearing that for years now with what his last name is, right? Yeah. So, a, I mean from that aspect it's nothing new for him. And but... I think
3: the other th- and I think the other thing is when it comes to what his last name is, that's also a, a point in his favor when it comes to the mental aspects of it. Because you know, his his father was one of the better was one of the best strikers of his day in Italy. And that was and, and you know he he would be able to impart that mentality to his son from an early age so we're not uh, so that that I think is another is another thing where it's like it's not all it's not so new to him because he does because it is literally in his blood it's it it he's he's grown up with it watching his own father
0: and as we heard for basically the the past year before he actually signed with Juventus this was a move he was pushing for it's not it wasn't just Juventus showing interest and then Case is like, okay, let's do it. He was pushing for a move to Juventus. So he, it's not like he didn't know what he was getting himself into. You know, he, and being Italian, he also knows just mm-hmm. kind of how important Juventus is to the, to the country and the league as a, as a whole.
3: And seeing as how Beppe Marotta was wanting to sign him years ago before he left, I mean, that, how long do you wonder that's actually been going on?
1: I wonder what um, Federico Chiesa's uh, facial expressions would be at what I'm seeing going on in my yard right now, which is a groundhog, two stray cats, and a bunch of birds flying around. It's like a zoo in my yard. I don't know what the hell is going on, Um, but just because of, I don't know, Chiesa's facial expressions are just the most bewildering.
0: I got got people working on my backyard fence, and I thought I had the most interesting... uh, it's like a
1: zoo here. back here. I just saw one run by, and then another cat came out, and a groundhog, and a bunch of birds running from the cats. I don't know what on earth. Like I said, maybe Keza would be would be have his ridiculous facial expressions.
0: <laughs> it, it couldn't be any better than uh, his last few ones, and I, I spotlighted it in my post game thread after the Napoli win, off of that wide open header that Ronaldo missed, and then on Kulusevski's goal where he's basically grabbing. Kulu's face like it's like it's out of the Godfather 2 with uh, Michael Corleone and Fredo so yeah he's you know, a very
2: they're...
1: weird weird guy but hey he's brilliant so I don't know.
2: <laughs> by
0: the way, Sergio, how's your
2: backyard looking? Uh, I, I wouldn't know I'm, I'm staring at an Excel spreadsheet because <laughs> technically still on the clock but you know hey remote working I, you know the one good thing to come from from this whole pandemic thing so yours yours is definitely more interesting than mine. We're watching you, Sergio. We're watching you.
0: (laughs) One more thing before we get into uh, the couple of Twitter questions that we have. Um, I believe Sam mentioned it a little while back, just how – or maybe it was Chucks. I can't remember. It's been a long day. Anyways, just how jumbled the Serie A table is behind Inter. And this weekend is obviously a very big game against Atalanta, who Juventus are essentially level with at this point. And then there are (laughs) – a few midweek games, but I mean, it, it, it. you look at kind of what the month of May is, square, is is looking to be. It's not only trying to secure a top four spot, but it's also trying to secure a top four spot against some of the other top teams in the league. So these next few weeks here, especially Atalanta this weekend, I mean, just how, just how crucial is it for Juventus to really continue to build off of what they've done the last couple of games?
1: Well, obviously in terms of just, you know, what's at stake, which is, yeah, the Champions League. I mean, it's, yeah, it's so, so, so important. But again, I mean, you know, we're going in with good form. I think just the most optimistic thing, although it's funny, I said this before the Porto game as well, I, I distinctly remember, <laughs> I distinctly remember saying that. Good like job, with, <laughs>
0: it's,
1: it's deja vu all over again. So, yeah, I remember, well, anyway, I said then, like, you know, we're going in with good momentum and the fact that we had, played well against a big opponent. I forget who it was, but uh, we've won a big game or played well in the big, uh, against a big opponent. So, well, anyway, likewise here, you know, the Napoli game was just, Napoli game was huge just because it was against a team that not only was a direct competitor, but it was a team that was really in form and still is really in, in good form. So that's the same case this weekend. We're going up against a direct competitor for Champions League. And um, a team in extremely good form, as always, really. I mean, yeah, they're rarely out of form. So, I mean, obviously, optimistic just in terms of that. And, uh, you know, very few injuries. Yeah, people returning, well, Bonucci returning from COVID. So, I mean, really, everything is in our favor right now. So, there are few excuses for a a poor performance or a poor result.
3: It should be said you know not only are we going to be playing some big games down the stretch here you know the other teams that are in it are also going to be and just to to think about the the closest team that could potentially you know the team that is in fifth napoli they've got inter and lazio over their next two games for and and at least i i oh there wasn't a there was a there was a bit on football italia and i'm trying to find it now this was a couple days ago when they they put out a like basically a conglomeration of everybody's schedule in the run in and all of the teams that are that are in there that are in the race for the Champions League spots will have at least two have at least two games against each other yeah. against one of the teams in the hunt
0: no it definitely so, feels like a case of everybody's going to be playing everybody
3: yeah and so there's you know obviously the best route to a champions league spot for juventus is going is win all the rest of your games but there's also the you know the possibility of for lack of a better term help you know there it's not like we're going to you know yes we have atalanta and then after a couple of weeks we're going to have milan and inter back to back but it's not like everybody else is playing Crotone and, and Parma and Spezia while we're playing that schedule. So, and I mean, it's it's going to be wacky. It's going to be wild. It's This is going to be one of the craziest things that we've seen in a long time because looking at the table now, from second to seventh is a nine-point gap, which is nuts. I don't think I've ever seen the Champions League places contested that closely this late in the year
1: because that basically means that like you know you lose one game and it's you know it, it everything kind of shifts again it could, so yeah it the,
3: the 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 potential for movement is is huge up or down depending on on how things go you know when you think about not you know Napoli playing Inter today uh this week then you know that that puts getting at least a point out of atalanta in even bigger relief because if you can you know if if napoli drop points against enter highly possible they are the leaders right now then you know any points that Juve get will would be you know pad to the lead between fifth uh on fifth place and that's you got to take those opportunity you know when when there's a clear opportunity you've got to take it when you when it's there
0: Alrighty, here, let's jump into a couple Twitter questions. First one from at some guy London. If this reported 100 million plus valenza target is correct for the summer, what four or five players would you offer up as sacrificial lambs to the god of book book balancing? Sorry, I couldn't make
3: it, I couldn't make it through without having a laugh. Do we all want to say it on 3? <laughs> Aaron,
1: <laughs> Ramsey. Aaron Ramsey,
3: <laughs> come on, Aaron!
0: It, it's funny. You know what? It's funny you mentioned him because in a article today on the Athletic, there is a a bit of information about Aaron Ramsey where James Horncastle is saying that Aaron Ramsey has not received any indication that Juventus wish to sell him this summer. And I will add this part that is met, also mentioned in the Ramsey information ramsey's family are settled in turin okay it makes sense he's been here two years now or two seasons now his wife a cordon blue chef enjoys the culinary opportunities that turin that the turin area provides and their children are also learning italian
2: awesome he can we can transfer him to torino then
1: and
3: wants a winner
1: yeah i know right what do we, what do we look like a yeah. charity for a michelin three
3: stars i think or that no? i i think the indication that aaron that that Juventus might have plans to sell him is the fact that he only got four minutes out of a out of a game that was basically in hand given the fact that you were up 2-0 and Zappacosta, after Zappacosta went off with the injury and Genoa didn't have any more subs, you were playing against 10 men and he still only got four minutes. And the fact of the matter is he is one of the cleanest opportunities for a profit because he came in on a free... So, not only so, you're not paying off a transfer fee that you paid for him, you're getting a big ass wage off the books, which you know is, is bloated for the production that he gives. And there's gonna be some mid table Premier League team that's gonna give you 20 25 million euros for him because that's just the way the Premier League operates.
2: Yeah, the, you know, Aaron Rams is
3: one of those things where it's like.
2: Yes. Everyone wants him gone. Yes. You know, we're, we're assuming that, you know, he's gone, but it's also like, he earns a lot of money. He has very, very high wages. And I mean, have you, you know, sure. he's a name, but I don't think anyone who's scouted him who's seen him play day in and day out is going to really talk themselves into this is the guy who we have to bring in. Right. I mean,
3: hold on back to the question we were asked for players. So, there's one. There's one. You're going to have either Ronaldo or Di Balago. I don't think one stays on. The, I don't think both stay on the team. So, one of those two, that's one entry. If Everton really is that keen on Rabio and there's a willingness from Moisa Kane to be part of a swap, I would use the plus Valenza at, you know, you, you do a, a Muralin Pianic move swap. You'll you'll figure out a way to make that into a profit somehow, and Kane coming back the other way.
1: I'd I mean, make that's that. Assuming move. that PSG don't make the deal permanent, though, right?
3: PSG do not have an option. That is a dry. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, so I they, don't know. So
3: if PSG want him, and, P, and I'm sure PSG are going to yeah. want him right now, but if PSG want him, they are going to have to work out a separate deal.
1: Yeah, but I mean, um, I don't know. I just think they have. But they probably are able to. They, outspend
3: they, us they <laughs> probably have the upper hand, but we'll you know and my last guy Alexandra uh, you know he's been solid but I think the journey's probably over and 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 he's another guy that I think there there'll be some kind of a market for so I think that'll be
1: yeah, honestly, I'm just looking at um, <clears throat> Hunter's list, really, and like I said, I mean, I basically 90 percent agreed with it. So I'm just gonna go off his list and say, you know, Bern- Bernardeschi. Um, yeah, that's one. Frabota. Yeah, I mean, he's been okay, but I think, I think there would be a club, clubs like I don't know Sampdoria or something that will be willing to play to pay some decent chunk of money for him. Uh, we, of course, we might
0: we might have to prove that he still exists. By the way, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Where has he been? But um, yeah, Bentancur or Rabi? Yeah, Rabio uh, yeah. I don't know. I still like Rabio, But I guess I don't know if he had to choose. Yeah, Rabio or Bentancur. I guess it's tough for me. I like to keep them both, but I understand if you'd have to get rid of one of them. Yeah, Demiral. I'm not. I don't know. I'll, I don't know. I've I've been really on the fence about him. He, he had a good spell of form, and then he kind of the Porto mistake really kind of got to me because it just showed like oh man we have a good dutch phrase in it that doesn't translate well into english but basically like stand your ground man don't like don't get caught in like stand your ground and yeah i mean that's basically that should you know get a decent chunk of money and alexandro agreed well as well so i mean surely that should get some chunk of money
2: you know the the thing with all of those guys is that you know, we're, we are still in a COVID depressed market and none of those guys, like we're literally just, we, we want to let go of all of our dead wood, which it's understandable, but I just don't see any of those guys getting a lot of money in. I mean, it's going to be what, 20, 25 mil. And, and not only that, but if you let all of those dudes go, it's not like guys that were glued to the bench, right? Like they actually played a lot. So you do have to take some of that money and at least reinvest it in some way, shape or form to kind of, you know, somehow you have to cover those minutes. So it's just, you know, I, it's not that I'm here pounding the, the desk for Aaron Ramsey, but at some point it's like, okay, we, we let all those dudes go. And who comes in. And then at that point you're spending the money again. So like, I just, yeah, but I'm the... not financially well burst enough to really determine how that's going to work out, <clears throat> but I just don't see uh, the scenario in which we sell all of the guys we don't like, and then that just kind of solves the problem. Like, we're going to have to really part with some assets here. And, and if that's, if that's many of them, you if that's Paulo Di Valle, if that's Cristiano Ronaldo, some dudes that we really don't want to let go of, I think are going to have to be let go just because I just don't see the numbers really kind of squaring off. Plus like, you know, Adrian Rabia did some pretty big wages and Ramsey is in pretty big wages. They're not going to go, you know, easily into the night to, you know, take lower wages elsewhere. Like, you know, I don't think that's, that's really in the cards for them. So, you know, obviously I want them, I don't, I'm saying I want those two necessarily gone, but I don't want to have a repeat of, You know the Sami Kedira situation, where you know he was on high wages, and that made him much less appealing to other clubs. Not necessarily because of the player he was, but because his wages were very high, and he just was going to make less in another club, and he just didn't want that, so he didn't take offers from other teams. I think we are facing a similar situation, especially because of the COVID depressed market. So I, I, it really wouldn't surprise me if they had to let mary Demiral go if they had to you know even flip wash maybe like you know flip him and get some profit out of there and you know kind of like play cheap with Mattia perrin second Mattia perrin name drop so you know something like that is going to happen i, I just don't think it's going to be all neat and we let all of the guys we don't want go like i think there's going to be a lot of really really tough decisions go, going on
3: I, I think it, I think it comes down to like when, I'm no expert either, but I think like that 100 million number comes down to when the fiscal year for the team ends, which is the, which is June 30th. And then like, you need to get the profit on the books by then. And then once you are buying guys, then you just make sure that it gets shunted off to the next year. And that's, you know, then it's dealt with later when hopefully there's less COVID and more more money and, and down the line. I think that's, you know, and don't quote me on that. I, I, am by no means a financial expert, but I think that's that number specifically is how that's is, is where that comes from. So I don't think it, I don't think it's quite as grave as you, as you put it, although the difficulty of moving high wage guys. Yeah. We've seen that the last couple of years with him and with Igu- with Kedira and with Higuain, um, but hopefully we'll get something.
0: That's why the Pianich Arthur swap deal happened when it did, which obviously put both players in a weird situation where they were moving to new clubs, but they still had two months of a season to play with their current clubs. Oh Pianich did Artur had been benched, but <laughs> but in theory at least.
2: Uh, I, I could see a lot of a lot those, you know, good old book cooking type of deals, you know, like where Ramsey gets sent to some place and he's worth 50 million or something. Like, I mean, I, I can definitely see something like that happening for sure.
0: Raul Jimenez, Aaron Ramsey swap deal with Wolverhampton. You've heard it here first and I will blame Sergio Romero for that.
2: And, and they're both valued at like 120 million. <laughs> 120
1: million, what, rupees? <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> madness, madness is <to> transfer market. <laughs>
0: All right, we'll wrap things up there. Thank you for the Twitter question. It obviously got a good discussion going. As always, you can send said Twitter questions to us at Juventus Nation on Twitter. Uh, you can also follow us on on there and on Facebook at Black and White and Rattle Over. If you are a subscriber or if you have yet to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, be it Apple Podcast, Google Podcasts, or Spotify feel free to listen to us there Uh, if you are on apple podcast besides subscribing rate us review us all that good stuff so guys we uh, hope for a good week this week last week shall we hope for another good week next week this week
1: that's a tongue twister right there (laughs) (laughs)
0: i'll
1: just say yes
0: all right so on that note For Samuel Presti, for Chucks, and for Sergio, I am Danny Singh. Thank you very much for listening. Stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you guys next week.